in the entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Well, he has trouble with the snap. And the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State. Jalen wants Jackson. And he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG. Bring your own guts. And they brought some guts. Is now in. The TC March Show coming live on a Friday edition, getting you set for your weekend here at the studios of KSHP AF 1400, 107.1 FM, streaming live at the TCMartinShow.com. Monday through Friday, 2 to 4, folks. Uh, if you miss any part of this show or any show, Go to the tcmartinshow.com under the podcast section. Also, check out the interview page near from our great guests. Go to the current and classic interview pages anytime at tcmartinshow.com. Also, don't forget, come by and say hi to TC and the guys. When he's in town, you'll see the show live every Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. at the Superbook of the Westgate, Las Vegas, the world's largest sports book, home of the giant 4K video wall. Watch the games in comfort in a non-smoking environment. The world-famous Superbook at the Westgate, Las Vegas, home of the TC Martin Show on Fridays. Two to four. I'm Chris Wynn in for the doctor. T.C. Martin, the founder of the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame, has festivities going down this weekend up there in Sacramento. So he'll be there. He'll be back on Monday. So myself, along with our uh, esteemed producer, Justin Numchuck Chuck, holding down the fort here in studio on a Friday. It is about ready to ramp up here in Vegas, folks. Super Bowl 58, uh, a little over a week away. Uh, you've got all kinds of action on the college basketball front, as well as the NHL All-Star Weekend encompassing in Toronto. Of course, uh, a lot of NBA action and beyond. And to join us to talk uh, all things sports, we love chopping up with this guy. He's one of our favorites. Host of Out of Line over on Fox Sports Radio on Sundays, 8 to 9 a.m. He also hosts a number of shows around Las Vegas, including shows here at KSHP. Brian Feldman, the host of uh, Out of Line, joining us here on the show on the T.C. Martin Show. Brian, we really appreciate you spending some time. What is going down, my friend? Oh, you know, Chris, just uh, getting ready for the Super Bowl, recovering from one of the worst uh, defeats the Detroit Lions have ever taken. And, uh, you know, yes, we got UNLV basketball tomorrow, man. Never stops here in Vegas. And those of you know, uh, listeners of the T.C. Martin Show are well aware that uh, Chris Wynn, myself, is a Detroit Lions fan, as is Brian Feldman, both of us native Michiganders, and yes, I, we'd be remiss, Brian, not to get a quick take on uh, the NFC Championship game. Obviously, you and I extremely distressed at the result and what took place in that game. But uh, do you feel like it's justified for uh, not just Lions fans, not just for us, but for football fans out there to have an optimistic viewpoint and to think, you know what? Yes. The Lions did blow that game. Yes, you might be able to say that the Lions choked the game away. Yes, you might be able to say that Dan Campbell made absolutely ridiculous blunders on fourth down. But it's also uh, it's also fair to say that the Lions are on the upswing. And there's reason for optimism in Detroit when it comes to the Lions, Brian Feldman. Yeah, you know, Chris, I mean, it sucks because I'm the bad guy, wrong guy to be talking to about it because I'm so emotionally invested in the Detroit Lions. As you know, I worked for the radio network in Detroit for, you know, about four or five seasons. My son's middle name is Sanders. I mean, so 
I, I'm heartbroken. I mean, that's the best way to say it. But to say that you shouldn't be optimistic, of course, everyone should be optimistic. This team is the best Lions team, I'll say it right now, that I've seen in my lifetime. No, they don't have Barry Sanders. No, they don't have Calvin Johnson or Matthew Stafford. But this team is a team of unity, and it is built from the bottom up, or I should say from the ground up with draft picks over the past three years. I don't know that I have seen, Chris, a team utilize draft picks uh, better than the Detroit Lions have in the past three years. And I've got to give that to Brad Holmes and to, to Dan Campbell for really doing their homework and putting some really good players in place and creating a really good environment in Detroit. It's the best atmosphere I've seen. As you know, I, I covered both uh, the game against the Rams and the Buccaneers in Detroit. i got to say, in all my years of living in Detroit, and I was there for the better part of 42 years, um, I've never seen the city like this. The closest thing I had seen it to like that was probably in 84 when the Tigers won the World Series in the famous Bless You Boys season. But, yes, I think we should be optimistic. The only thing I do, Chris, is the NFL, which you know jokingly stands for not for long. Yeah. And I err on the side of caution because the average career of an NFL player is 3.1 season, and injuries probably play more of a role in the NFL than any other sport. And that's simple. There's 22 starters that you count on, including a kicker, a punter and a long snapper. That's 25 guys that you got to keep healthy. It's almost impossible to do that in the season, in an NFL season. And it all depends on who are the guys that, that get unhealthy. Somebody like Penny Sewell and, uh, and a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, if both those guys went down in the same season, that completely changes the outlook of this team. And that is what people need to be concerned about. But if everyone stays healthy going forward and Dan Campbell can quit showing the world how big his stones are, I think the outlook for this team is very bright. And an aspect of this too, right, Brian, and not to, to harp on the negative, but I will I need to point this out, right? There is an a, there is a feeling here of what could have been, right? It's it's almost like it's a combination of things. What could have been and also the the reality that this might never happen again, right? Or that it's very difficult for it to happen again, or that it's not easy to get back there. All those things kind of encompass what Lions fans and even fans who aren't fans, uh, like hardcore Lions fans, just NFL fans that were rooting for the Lions, were kind of feeling on that Sunday. It was like, look, you know, it's not easy to get to an NFC Championship game. The, uh, you know, the Lions have made that clearly evident. They, the last time they were there was, you know, back in 1991. So, like, there, there's, there, there's a combination of feelings, my friend, where, you know, it was, uh, how, how could we choke that game away? And also, you know, oh my gosh, like we had an opportunity here slip through our fingers where we could have gone to a Super Bowl and now, uh, it's all for, it's all, it, it, the chances are gone and we could possibly never get back there again. Yeah, you know, Chris, I mean, there's one of the oldest cliches around in life in general when you're trying to forge ahead is strike while the iron is hot. Yeah. Sunday afternoon, the iron was blazing, and I feel that Dan Campbell put it in a bucket of cold water. And as you mentioned, the only other time the Lions made it to the NFC Championship game, the 1991 season, culminating with a, a playoff win against Dallas in January of 1992, and then, of course, one of the biggest losses uh 
you know, ever in, you know, in the championship game against the, at that time, the Washington Redskins. And, um, you know, I, none of us will ever forget the atmosphere in 91. It was magical. Yeah. And you're right. You know, that's the bottom line is this was an opportunity that got away. It is so astronomically hard to get to this point. And the Lions were within a half of the promised land, something Chris, you and I and several Detroiters have waited for their entire life. I told you a long time ago, my father used to say, if I would have known what a sick Detroit Lions fan you were going to be, I would have given you the appropriate name. Brian, wait until next year, Feldman, because you're going to be waiting until next year, your entire life. And it feels like we have. So to let that slip away, Chris, was, it, was, it, was, it was painful. And especially the way that it happened, I think you feel the same, and so do most Detroit fans, that, you know, had they been blown out or just flat out beaten by the 49ers, it would have been okay. It would have been acceptable. We would have said, hey, we're improving and all that. But to have a 17-point lead and blow it in the second half the way that they did, it's inexcusable. I mean, and it's inexcusable, and this is the way you look at it. In almost 60 years of conference championships games being played, it is the largest comeback by ever allowed. So the Lions find their way into the record book again with another dubious record, and we're tired of that. You know, yep. and, and again, it, you know, just my last take on the game, and I said this during the game, Chris, I was watching it with my daughter and my son. We had a small little gathering because I didn't go to the NFC Championship. I'd gotten back from Detroit, was sick and worn out, so I just stayed figuring, okay, well, maybe we'll see him here in the Super Bowl. And when Dan Campbell lined up on the first fourth down play, after the 49ers had driven down the first drive of the second half, the Lions stalled them and they got a field goal, so they turned it into a 14-point game. The Lions get the ball right back, drive down the field, and get stalled and have an opportunity to kick a field goal and take those three points right back. Right. I said aloud, I wish my son would have put it on tape, I said... You know, I sat my seat and my I sat down to put my head in my hands, and my son goes, "Dad, what's the matter?" And I go, "Son, this might be the worst decision in Detroit Lions history." I truly said that, and that was when he didn't go for the first one, and it turned out to be accurate, Chris. Because the bottom line is, the 49ers got so pumped up after that, and they never looked back. That is disrespecting them in their house by doing that. One of the best and the highest paid defense defensive front in the National Football League, and the last thing. I'll I'll say on that is people keep throwing at me analytics, analytics. Well, going for it on fourth down, this, this number, this percentage, here's the deal. What I say to all those analytic lovers out there, are you giving me analytics in the regular season against teams like the Carolina Panthers, the Atlanta Falcons, the Chicago bears, the are these the teams you're compiling these analytics or are you giving me analytics based on playoffs against top 10 defenses in the national football league and, uh, and how the fourth down conversions are against them. My guess is if you pulled up those analytics, they would be dramatically different. And hey, they just added to those analytics in the game against San Francisco. You have to compare apples to apples. You throw out analytics. The playoffs and the regular season in the NFL are two completely different animals. They are in every sport. The players have to ramp up their game and the coaches have to make adjustments and not be methodical and use what they did in the regular season. Change it up. Dan Campbell did not. In the first half, they ran the ball so effectively. In the second half, they're running Jamar Gibbs up the middle. He's an edge runner. He's a guy that goes out and is great in space. Montgomery is the bruising back to run up the middle. Why they changed everything up in the second half to that degree, Chris, and then for Dan Campbell to make the same mistakes basically that he made in Dallas, to me, it's inexcusable. And if the Lions get back there next year and win the Super Bowl, hey, we'll look back on this and say, hey, that was a stepping stone. But if they never win the Super Bowl under a Dan Campbell regime, all of this will be forgotten other than by diehard Lions fans like you and I.
Brian Feldman joining us, host of Out of Line, 8 to 9 a.m. Uh, Sundays on Fox Sports Radio here in Las Vegas, breaking down to, uh, some NFC Championship action as we get set for the Super Bowl. The Niners and the Kansas City fighting Taylor Swift's coming to town here in Las Vegas <laughs> for Super Bowl 58. Brian, uh, yeah, no question. Uh, look, I, I basically uh, echo a lot of your sentiment when it came to that game. Uh, uh, it really does ring in my ears uh, constantly of uh, a sense of what could have been for the Detroit Lions having a 17-point lead going into the second half and then seeing what transpired there in the second half. It's just so difficult to take. But let's kind of try to, hey, I guess, real, let's try. Chris, yeah. real, real quick, I just wanted to say one thing. Yeah. Anyone who's ever seen the movie The Replacements, uh-huh. in the movie, Gene Hackman asks the team before they get started, he says, what are you the most afraid of? And if you remember, uh, Falco, played by uh, Keanu Reeves, says, yeah. The thing I'm the most afraid of is quicksand. And he explained that quicksand is one thing goes wrong, then another, and all of a sudden you can't stop it and you sink in quicksand. We saw that an example of what Keanu Reeves was talking about, quicksand, on Sunday. The Lions stepped in quicksand, and the worst part about it is somehow they got a branch in the fourth quarter where Dan Campbell could kick a field goal, stop the bleeding, and tie the game, and he elected, you know what, I'm not going to take the branch, I'm going to keep trying to swim out of it. Well, welcome to Quicksand, Dan Campbell. Numchuck, how about Feldman coming up with a little little replacements uh, reference, baby? I love it. One of my favorite movies, by the way, Feldman. Uh, I was a huge Danny Bateman guy, right? Walk on from Michigan State, linebacker, just just cleaning house, just knocking heads off all over the place. I love it. Little replacements yep. action. Can't go wrong. Uh, Brian well, Feldman joining us here on the show, on the T.C. Martin Show, uh, as we get set to uh, ramp up uh, the activity that's going to be Las Vegas and Super Bowl week here in just a matter of a couple of days. So the matchup set, Brian, uh, San Francisco taking out Kansas City, uh, two quality football teams, obviously. The Kansas City Chiefs, no stranger to the Super Bowl as of late. Uh, multiple Super Bowl championships and uh, multiple appearances, of course. Uh, the 49ers looking for their uh, first Super Bowl uh, appear well. They are in their first Super Bowl appearance since 2012, in which they lost to the Baltimore Ravens. But looking for their first victory since 1994, when they knocked off the hey, then Chris, San Diego Chris, Chargers. They, yeah, they were in the Super Bowl four years ago against the Kansas City Chiefs and lost. Oh, my mistake! Remember? My mistake. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, my mistake. But uh, San Francisco still looking for that first victory, I should say, since yeah. 1994. But uh, two teams, Brian, very familiar with uh, the big game and playing in. Uh, in this type of scenario, but uh, I got to believe it's going to be a little bit of a different animal, sir, with uh, everything taking place here in the uh, fabulous city that is Las Vegas for the first time ever. Oh, yeah. Chris is say, You know, one of the things that just it annoys me, and it probably shouldn't, is in all the advertisements and everything, and even what I heard T.C. Martin do right before, they've got to say the big game. I just hate it. It's the Super Bowl. Quit trying to monetize everything. You make enough money. Call it the Super Bowl. Let people yeah. call it the Super Bowl in their commercials. To me, that's the stupidest thing in the world, the big game. Well, I'm going to call it the Super Bowl on this show if it's okay throughout the show, and I hope, we, I, I hope I'm not just here so I don't get fined. But... Anyways, uh, that being said, this is going to be an epic matchup. It really is. Uh, Kansas City is playing their best ball right now. They are a seasoned, grizzled playoff team. And Detroit Lions fans don't think you beat this team because you beat them without Travis Kelsey and you beat them without Chris Jones, two of the best players on that team, who are both, by the way, healthy and rocking and ready and rolling to go. Taylor Swift will obviously be in the stands. And you know what? As much as everyone jokes about Taylor Swift right now, Travis Kelsey's 34 years old. He is playing some of the best football of his life. 
And you know, Chris, whenever we've got a new girlfriend, somebody we want to show off to, <laughs> we play better. We do better. We really do. That's like a fact. We play better. And I think that doesn't bode well for the San Francisco 49ers. Kel- Travis Kelsey's in the biggest game of his life. He's got his new billion-dollar girlfriend watching him, and I'll bet he has a lights-out game. Don't think Travis Kelsey will score a touchdown in this game. I'd put anything on that. But overall, this is going to be a very intriguing matchup. I think Brock Purdy, you know, a year ago I might have said this game's over his head. It absolutely is not over his head. He just got done coming back twice against the Green Bay Packers and then against the Lions. He is ready for this game, as is the 49ers. And I think the Lions trouncing them the way they did in the first half fired up this defense. I think they took it personally. We saw it in the second half, and you know this defensive front and those linebackers are as good as anybody in football. Their one slight weakness is their secondary, and hey, hopefully Patrick Holmes, if you're a Kansas City fan, can exploit that weakness. He's got Travis Kelsey to do it, a couple other receivers, and hey, Kadarius Tony just have to put some stick on his hands and not drop the ball in the Super Bowl, and I think Kansas City, even though they're the underdog, has a real good chance of winning this football game. What do you think about that dynamic when it comes to the quarterbacks, right? You got one guy who's clearly one of the best quarterbacks in football, a guy that's basically looking to pad his resume with respect to uh, winning another world championship still, you know, uh, regardless of the the, uh, result in this football game, people are still going to hold a guy like Pat Mahomes in high regard. But what do you think about the whole Proc Birdie kind of effect when it comes to San Francisco? I mean, this is a guy who really could put a a stamp uh, on his career as far as uh, if he's able to be the guy that essentially uh, is the leader of a, of a team that actually wins a Super Bowl championship for the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, yeah, Chris, Brock Purdy is, is, is truly an epic story. To be Mr. Irrelevant and do what this guy has done, you know, it's been overstated, and I'll overstate it again. It's, yeah. it's uh, nothing short of miraculous. It really is. This, this kid has stepped up and, and, and just proven that, you know, just give somebody a chance sometime when they've got skills. We saw this guy play here like when Iowa State played at Allegiant Stadium against UNLV, and uh, were you that impressed? I, I thought he's okay, but yeah. you know I, I wasn't surprised that he was Mr. Relevant, but what he has done is incredible, and I think he will hold his own in this game. I think he understands being a game manager, and the one thing is, boy, is this team behind him, and it is not any kind of you know fake behind him. They are really behind him. They believe in this kid, as do I, Chris. I think Brock Purdy is as good of a game manager for a, a, a second-year player, basically, that there's ever been in the NFL history. He just seems like a grizzled season veteran. He's poised. He handles himself well. And this this stage, I don't believe, will be too big for him. I'm going to see it firsthand a week from Sunday. But on the other side of the ball, Patrick Mahomes and that Kansas City team, this is a team that is so familiar with this stage. It's it's almost another game to them. You know, I don't think you can call it a regular season caliber game, but it's like a playoff game to them. They've been here so many times. They have played in so many playoff games over the past four or five seasons that this is just a walk in the park to them. And it is going to be, I think, a very good football game. I think it may be the best matchup we've had, we, we, we could have had um, with these two teams in the game. I think it's all going to come down to, you know, can the defensive front of that San Francisco 49ers team that is the highest paid defensive front in football, you know, with Bosa and Chase Young on that front, can these guys get to Patrick Mahomes? Can they stop his improvisation, which is the best in the National Football League out of the quarterback position? Those are the things, to me, is going to be the key, is going to be in the trenches. Can they get pressure on him? Running the ball for San Francisco, I mean, you've got Christian McCaffrey. As good as the San Francisco linebackers are, Greenway and Fred Warner, um, 
Christian McCaffrey is going to get 100 yards rushing and probably at least one touchdown. So the key is going to be when Brock, per, excuse me, when Patrick Mahomes has to throw the ball, can they disrupt his passing game? If they can't, I think Kansas City wins the Super Bowl. When we're talking about this situation with Brock Purdy, look, I'll throw this out there. I don't get crazy Patriot fans and Tom Brady fans. We're not comparing necessarily, you know, a Brock Purdy to Tom Brady as far as the quarterback. I just want to make a reference. There seems to be a lot of similarities in my mind, Brian Feldman, in my opinion, uh, with Brock Purdy, with Tom Brady in his first few years in the league. What do I mean by that? Okay, a guy that was a very late draft pick, right? Didn't have much expectation didn't have necessarily a spectacular college career. You pointed it out, Brian. We had a chance to see him. Those of us that cover UNLV football had a chance to see him at Iowa State playing college, and you never got the feeling, oh, yeah, this guy's you know going to shoot to start him in the NFL or anything like that. It kind of parallels Tom Brady as far as his early years in the NFL you know, when it comes to expectations, right, and, with, and, and kind of a trajectory with, with respect to Brock Purdy and Tom Brady. Again, I don't want to make it seem like I'm comparing Tom Brady to Brock Purdy, but do you kind of understand where I'm going here when I when I'm I'm taking a look at these two guys when it comes to Purdy and Brady? Oh, Chris, I don't think that's a bad comparison at all. I actually think it's a really good one, and I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. I mean, Tom Brady 100% got his opportunity because, you know, because Drew Bledsoe went down and they had no choice. He he had got himself elevated to the backup quarterback, and it happened. And once in a while, you see, you know, you see a star is born when something like that is the same thing a couple years before that, Chris, in in St. Louis. Kurt Warner and nobody is backing up Trent Green, who they played a ton of money to. He gets hurt. And look what happens. Kurt Warner comes out of the blue and there's a movie about him. There will be a movie about Brock Purdy. Trust me, if you can put stock in that movie right now, invest, it'll be out there. They're probably already making it and he hasn't even, he's in the third year of his career. But what I will say is, yes, a very good analogy. It took, in in Brock Purdy's case, it took two people to go down to get him his opportunity, including the heir apparent who was Trey Lance. This was the heir apparent. They traded up to get him with the second pick in the draft. And this guy was supposed to be the next coming of great quarterbacks in San Francisco, and it took those two guys to go down for Brock Purdy to get this opportunity and talk about capitalizing on opportunity just like Tom Brady did. They both did, but yes, with initial immediate success comes high expectations, and the expectations on Brock Purdy are going to continue to grow every year, and I think another example, Chris, not necessarily Joe Montana was expected to eventually be the starter in San Francisco when he was drafted, I think, in the fourth round out of Notre Dame, but the, the, the similarity is it's the coolness. When Joe got in there, he never seemed rattled. I mean, even the joke in the Super Bowl, which isn't a joke, they've got it on tape, when he says, well, you see who's in the stand, there's John Candy over there. Brock Purdy seems to have the same type of demeanor as a Joe Montana. You know, cool is the other side of the pillow. That's why they called him Cool Joe. Um, and Brock Purdy has that kind of presence about him. Will it morph into a long-term NFL, very sexual career? Well, he's got to stay healthy. I mean, it's still the NFL, as we talked about when we were talking about the Lions, but the upside of this kid, Chris, especially to get him where they got him and what's going on, man, you shake your head and just keep asking, how does San Francisco continue to retool the way that they do? They just do. 
Super Bowl 58, nine days away here in Las Vegas. San Francisco taking on Kansas City. We're topping it up with one of our favorites, Brian Feldman, host of Out of Line over at Fox Sports Radio, 8 to 9 a.m. Catch it uh, every Sunday here in Las Vegas and on the World Wide Web at uh, the Las Vegas Sports Network as well, too. Uh, of course, it uh, is going to be the first time ever, Brian Feldman, here in Las Vegas. Of course, uh, I talked about that what should have been, right, with uh, us Lions fans and maybe the, you know, the possibility of seeing all that Honolulu blue and silver here in town. But it's going to be the Niners. It's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. You'll see Chiefs Kingdom. You'll see all the Niners fans here in town. You'll see a lot of NFL fans here in town. You and I have worked in sports radio here in Las Vegas for a long time. Both of us can remember back in the days where it would have been absurd. It would have been obscene to think that the NFL would ever not only have a franchise in Las Vegas, but the idea of hosting a Super Bowl was just beyond the pale outrageous. So I got to get your initial thoughts on uh, what's about to transpire, which is, uh, you know, uh, the biggest game in the biggest sport in America uh, about to uh, take place here in Las Vegas. Oh, it's so cool, Chris. I think it is such a, such a, 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 a feather in the cap of this city for getting this ball here and for what they're doing. I think the city of Las Vegas learned a great deal in 2007 with the NBA All-Star debacle. And I think they've really cleaned it up since then, so much so that now we're getting ready to accept our third major professional sports franchise. And I, I'm not discounting the WNBA, but when you talk about major professional sports franchises, it's on its way to being one. Yeah. But when you're in a forty game when you're in a forty game season in basketball, I, I just can't call it that. So I'm saying the Oakland A's, the third major professional sports men's uh, professional sports team coming. Um, it shows you what Las Vegas has done and how much it has stepped up. The Golden Knights have been an absolute treasure, and now having a Super Bowl here, Chris, I believe that the Vegas will do it right, and I believe they'll get in some type of a rotation where every decade or so we will see a bowl in Las Vegas because hey, it is the up up and coming sports mecca of our country. And uh, you know what? These these sports fans now, it's crazy. If you would have ever told me before I moved here that we were going to have a hockey-knowledgeable city in Las Vegas, I would have told you that you're spending time at dispensaries before they open. <laughs> well, I don't, I'm not saying that anymore, man. I'm going to say right now that Vegas has stepped up, and, uh, and I love this community. I love what they're doing. And uh, not only is the Super Bowl, in my opinion, going to be a great success, hopefully the game's as good as uh, it's, 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 it looks like it could be, but I think uh, it is setting Las Vegas up for many great things to come in the future and uh, you know we had we had f1 here this year and chris i'll tell you you know you talk we've been doing this for a long time man talk about being in the right place at the right time we both got in vegas when when you know honestly we were covering the 51s unlv football and basket maybe hitting a wranglers game exactly uh, things yeah. have changed things have changed since then my friend yeah just a little bit right uh, a little bit more high profile franchises in town no disrespect to those franchises you mentioned obviously but uh it it is certainly changed changed a little bit. Of course, uh, you kind of brought it up at the top of, of the the segment, uh, the whole Taylor Swift effect, right, uh, Brian Feldman? First of all, I know myself, along with the, burn, the listeners here at the T.C. Martin Show, uh, have a burning question as to whether or not Brian Feldman, are you a Taylor Swift fan? You know, honestly, Chris, I'm going to tell you, people can be mad at me and say that whatever. Yes, I am a Taylor Swift fan. You know, I don't know her. I've never met her. I've never met or interviewed Travis Kelsey. I've stood pretty close to him when uh, they played the Raiders played the Chiefs, but I've never met either one of them. From what I see and gather, I don't know that you could have two more humble 
superstars, not even, let's go beyond that, megastars. Travis Kelsey is arguably, when his career ends, that he's going to be argued about as being the greatest tight end that ever played the game. Taylor Swift, one of the most successful pop stars that's ever graced this planet. I mean, she's worth well over a billion dollars, which is insane. So, and she, you know, her creativity, she is incredibly talented. Am I going to go to a concert and sing her songs? Well, maybe not, but yeah. you know what? I the respect for her is off the chart. And Travis Kelsey, it's probably the first mega celebrity couple that I've actually ever enjoyed, and it doesn't bother me like it does so many other people. You know what? She is one of the biggest stars in the world. You know what? If it was if the tables were turned and say it was the WNBA, and you had Darren Waller up in the suite during a Kelsey Plum game, the camera's going to pan to him, and Darren Waller's not Taylor Swift. So why is everyone so mad that they're panning to her all the time? It's boosting ratings, and you know what? ratings, viewership, and more recognition for the NFL, to me, is a great thing. I just hope the one thing they don't use this to monetize and continue to raise prices and make it to the point that blue-collar America can no longer go to football games. That would bother me. And we're slowly getting that. They have raised ticket prices in Detroit astronomically. I don't want to say it's the Taylor Swift effect on the league, but the more popular this league gets, the more people are going to go to pay and see games. Brian Feldman joining us here live on the T.C. Martin Show talking uh, some Super Bowls. We ramp up for 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs get set to uh, face off in the first ever Super Bowl here in Las Vegas. Brian, we've been running along. Hey, Brian Feldman, can I keep you over for another segment? Because I wanted to uh, get your take on a little UNLV basketball and uh, maybe of some course, uh, I'm baseball. Of course, mics. Chris, I'm sitting, I'm sitting in my office. I'm always, I can't let Brian Selman come on before and say he's always there for you, see when, and me not always be there for you. So one Brian's there for you, so is another. I appreciate you, Big Big time, my friend. So let's take our final break. When we come back, we'll talk to Brian Feldman, host of Out of Line, uh, get his, a uh, couple more takes on the Super Bowl, but I also want to get his take also on some UNLV basketball. Of course, it's a team that, uh, there could be some changes coming when it comes to all things running Rebels hoops. It's the TC March show coming away live on a Friday, KSHB, AM 1400, also 107.1 FM, streaming on the World Wide Web, www.thetcmartinshow.com. Hey everyone, this is Carnell, aka Golden Pipes, and I want to welcome you back to the TC Martin Show. A little love for us native Michiganders, myself, along with Brian Feldman, our guest here, host of Out of Line, Detroit Rock City, a little kiss action. On your Friday, T.C. Martin Show, coming away live, KSHB, AM 1400, 107.1 FM, and streaming on the World Wide Web, www.thetcmartinshow.com. Just a handful of days away, Super Bowl 58. Kansas City taking on San Francisco. And, uh, of course, the burning question is what? How is Taylor Swift, and when is Taylor Swift going to get to Vegas, folks? Well, Mr. Feldman, we have breaking news out of the Embassy of Japan in the United States. Look, this is just, just, just living proof of how polite the Japanese people are, Mr. Feldman. I'm going to fill you in. The Embassy of Japan in the United States is aware of recent media reports concerning the, the steps Taylor Swift will need to take to travel from Tokyo to her concert uh, and her concert on February 10th to Las Vegas in time to watch the Chiefs play in Super Bowl 58. Despite the 12-hour flight, Mr. Feldman, and 17-hour time difference, the embassy can confidently speak now to say that if she departs Tokyo in the evening after her concert, she she comfortably arrive in Las Vegas before the Super Bowl begins. We know 
that many people in Japan are excited to experience Taylor Swift's Eras Tour. So we wanted to confirm that anyone concerned can be fearless in knowing that this talented performer can wow Japanese audiences and still make it to Las Vegas to support the Chiefs when they take the field in Super Bowl 58 wearing red. That is, an, that is a statement, Brian Feldman, from the Embassy of Japan of the United States regarding Taylor and her ability to get to the big game here in Las Vegas coming up next week. That's the biggest news in the Super Bowl so far, Chris. <laughs> Everyone wants to know uh, if Taylor... You knew that Taylor Swift is not going to miss the Super Bowl. And let's be clear. Yes, she is supporting the Kansas City Chiefs, but she's supporting her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey. If Travis Kelsey next year gets traded to the Miami Dolphins, that's what she will be supporting next year if they're still together. So um, she's a Chiefs fan right now. That's great for her, great for Chiefs Nation. And uh, I am in no way surprised that she was going to find a way to be at Allegiant Stadium a week from Sunday. She'll be there. And maybe I should add her to my bucket list, Chris. I've been... I've been crossing off names left and right on my bucket list this year of people I want to interview. Should I add Taylor Swift to that list? You probably should add Taylor Swift to that list. You, you interviewed some very prominent people as of late, my friend. And you had the opportunity to have some great experiences, right? especially back in, in our hometown of Detroit where you got back there for those two playoff games. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see any uh, reason to believe whatsoever that Mr. Feldman can't get an interview with uh, Taylor Swift uh, when you, when because uh, you're going to be involved in covering a lot of the festivities all week long, and then of course uh, leading up to Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, it's going to be fun, and I, I doubt I'll get a chance to interview Taylor Swift. That's going to that, that that is definitely going to take some finagling, maybe beyond my ability to finagle. But you know, yeah, Chris, and just to speak before I forget, you know, yeah. this Sunday I'm really really excited. Uh, you know, like I said, a lot of wind was taken out of my sails last Sunday, as you know, being a good friend of mine and knowing yeah. that I was heartbroken, and I'm not was that is present tense, still heartbroken that Detroit's not coming here. But I'm getting ramped up. The Super Bowl is really cool, especially here in Vegas, and I got a really good opportunity this Sunday, Chris. You know, last Sunday we had the opportunity. You were on my show with me, and uh, you know, of course, we had Eric Kramer, one of the most compelling NFL stories. And if you if, if I've got a yeah, chance, great interview I, I, by I'll, the way with Eric Kramer, thank the former you, man. quarterback I'll, I'll promote, of the Lions. I'll promote, yeah. I'll, yeah, the, the, the ultimate comeback, and I will promote that's the name of Eric Kramer's book. I strongly suggest you read it, especially anyone that has clinical depression. Unbelievable book, and Eric Kramer's an unbelievable person. But this week on the show, I just found out a couple of days ago I'm going to have Ronnie Lott and Marcus Allen on my show on Sunday morning, and I'm looking really forward to that. They're going to be here hosting a charity event for the NFL on Monday, and they're coming on my show to promote it. And I'm really excited because a couple of weeks ago in Detroit, I, in, in, not with any intention, but I kind of referenced Ronnie Lott because it was so cold in Detroit. I said, walking from my friend's store to Ford Field, I'm probably going to get lose two toes to frostbite. And then I said, well, you know what? Ronnie Lott cut off a finger to play in a football game. I can sacrifice two toes to see my Lions. And I said that, and I have the video of that, and I'm going to actually play it for Ronnie Lott because i got to talk to him about that cutoff finger on Sunday. And what a monstrous segue right here to my next comment that I'm about to make, uh, Mr. Feldman. So here's the deal, right? You brought up Marcus Allen, of course, right? We can take solace, right, as Lions fans. Look, we understand we lost in the NFC Championship game, so now we're not going to be able to see a lot of Honolulu Blue and Silver rolling around here in Vegas. But i got to get your take, Brian. And I talked with B-Sal about this. Uh, maybe the most uh, frustrated people have to be Raider fans, right? The Silver and Black fans. Not only do you have your most hated rival in your division, the Kansas City Chiefs playing the Super Bowl here, but you also have the San Francisco 49ers, you know, a, 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 a team that you shared the Bay Area with for decades playing in the Super Bowl. 
Bowl as well, too. And, oh, by the way, the Chiefs are going to be practicing in your facility all week long. It's got to <laughs> stick in the craw, Mr. Feldman, of all the uh, folks that are uh, Raider Nation in silver and black. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to call it ironic. I don't want to say it's apropos, but it's pretty wild that you are going to have that, you know two teams that are that are so directly connected to the Raiders. I mean, of course, up in San Francisco, they're right across the bay in Oakland from uh, the 49ers. And yeah, you're right, Chris. I mean, one of the most heated rivals in the history of uh, the National Football League, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Oakland Raiders, now the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, and yeah, it's got to bite a little bit. There's no question about it. You know, the the team is uh, you know, they coming off they 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 win their final game against Denver. I'm still I'm still a little salty over the fact they had cigars in the locker room when they were celebrating going fishing. But I get it. Uh, you know, they were they were in support of Antonio Pierce, who ultimately did get the nod as the they they removed the interim tag, and he's now the head coach of the Raiders. But yeah, Chris, I got to believe if you're a longtime Raiders fan, a lot of these players, you know, they understand the rivalry now. But if you're a longtime suffering Raiders fan, this has got to bite, you know, and that's a great question for me to ask the Wiz on Sunday because, you know, he is a gigantic Raiders fan yep. and find out, does it bother him that, like, two teams that are directly related to the Raiders are coming here and especially the Chiefs using their facility? I don't know if I would allow that, Chris. That's almost sacrilegious. Brian Feldman like, joining before us. I finish, I'll say this. Yeah. I would be pissed as hell if the game was held at Ford Field and the Packers, the Bears, and the Vikings were in it and they got to practice out in Allen Park at the Lions facility. I would have a problem with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like I got to believe maybe Mark Davis said something, but he probably doesn't have any love for the Niners either. But, uh, you know, Mark Davis maybe tried to lobby the NFL, say, oh, is there some way that we can get, uh, the, you know, the Chiefs over at uh, UNLV and have uh, the Niners come to uh, to our facility? Maybe something like that. But maybe uh, maybe he doesn't have any love for the Niners either as well, too. So uh, I don't know all the exact I'd make them practice at Coronado High School. There you go, yeah. Send them out to uh, Sam Boyd Stadium, right? And have them be out there. There we go, there we go. That. Yeah, Brian Feldman joining us here live on the T.C. Martin Show, a host of Out of Line over on Fox Sports Radio. We're talking about uh, Super Bowl 58, about to uh, engulf Las Vegas uh, in a matter of about nine days uh, and take place here. But I want to switch gears to Brian and uh, talk a little UNLV basketball, Brian. Uh, the Runner Rebels, they get a victory uh, Tuesday night, take out the uh, Fresno State Bulldogs in a game that uh, probably was a little bit closer in uh, the second half than we thought it was going to be. Of course, coming off a win also uh, last Saturday in San Jose against Against the Spartans, uh, the other Spartans, I should say, uh, of San Jose in that victory. So a two-game winning streak. They'll take on Wyoming tomorrow night. But uh, I talked about this with B-Sal. I want to get your take. Uh, this is a UNLV team that's kind of, you know, they're kind of wallowing, uh, you know, middle of the road in the Mountain West. And uh, it's it's probably a, a team that is, uh, I would say, uh, if we're going to look at it overall, has underachieved this season and is going to look to uh, probably pull out some wins that they aren't expected to get against some teams in the Mountain West the rest of the way. Your thoughts when it comes to uh, UNLV as uh, they ramp up for a matchup against Wyoming tomorrow night? Well, first I'll start the way I start every time I talk about UNLV basketball. You know, I hate, this is one of the hardest naysays that I have because I, I have as a person so much respect for Kevin Kruger as a human being yeah. and what a good guy that he is. So that to me is, I want to preface it with that. 
After that being said, let me put back on the media cap and say, yes, Chris, I expected more from this UNLV team right up to get-go. I threw out the Southern game simply because the Boone brothers didn't play in the Southern game. We've seen almost every game, and these guys are huge different makers. As a matter of fact, one of the Boone brothers, I feel, will get a look at the next level, and I think both of them are capable of playing in Europe. I mean, they're that good, and they really helped this UNLV team a great deal. So, so I want to I preface it with that, that I think you know they did underachieve, and another guy guy is, you know, Eden Thomas Jr. I mean, the kid should be a senior in high school. We can't forget that. And he's playing at the collegiate level. They're starting point guard. And I don't disagree with what Kevin said in the press conference after the Fresno State game, that this kid gets better every single game. He does. All that being said, Chris, I, I can't get over. I didn't get to see it. I'd just gotten back from Detroit on, on Monday, the 22nd of January. Yeah. I didn't get to go to the Air Force game, and I planned on doing that. But when I look at the final score, 90-58, to 58, Chris, it, it, it almost sends me running to the bathroom. I I mean, that's sickening, and I don't know how it happened. I didn't see the game. I saw the ebb and flow, and I saw the highlights, but that was it. And, oh, my God, you know, then they come back, they go on the road, they beat a bad San Jose State team, and then they come back and they beat, I'm sorry, a bad Fresno State team. So, granted, they got two more wins under the belt. They were competitive against Colorado State, and now tomorrow at 5 o'clock at the Thomas and Mac, they're going up against the Wyoming Cowboys team that we just saw a couple days ago have one of the coolest comebacks I've ever seen. I mean, it made bad beats on, uh, on, on Scott Van Pelt's show on ESPN. And, you know, they were down by 11 points to Colorado State, who was ranked at that time in the top 25. They were down 11 points with 56 seconds to go in the game and ended up losing in overtime. Wyoming won that game. Granted, it was at home, but I saw something from Wyoming. I saw something that you want to see from every team at every level, and that is the ability to not quit, to not get down. Under a minute to go, you're down 11, Chris. A lot of teams throw in the towel. Wyoming didn't. And I think that could be a problem for UNLV. So you know what? If UNLV finds a way to win this game tomorrow against Wyoming, which I'm going to state right here, I don't think they will win the game against Wyoming. But if they do, all right, props to them. But when all said and done, Chris, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit of the game with UNLV, I'm telling you right now, and I've said it pretty much all season, for Kevin Kruger to remain the head basketball coach at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, they are going to have to get an NIT bid and win a game in the NIT. What would it take to get there? It's going to take more wins and at the very least probably losing in the semifinals of the Mountain West Conference Tournament to get the bid. If they don't, Eric Harper will move on from Kevin Kruger at the end of the season. Kevin Kruger was not his hire. It was the farewell hire of Desiree Brie-Francois. See you later. Get out of town. You and your shoes and your parachute pants. And, uh, and the bottom line is Eric Harper is the best athletic director since I've lived in Las Vegas, and this guy makes things happen. Look at that great hire with Barry Odom and how the football team has turned around, and I think if Kevin Kruger doesn't do minimally, again, one win in the NIT, we're going to have a new coach as the head basketball coach at UNLV next year. Right now, the Runner Rebels sitting at 4-4 four and four in the smack dab. I mean, they're sitting in 7th in the Mountain West Conference, 4-4 uh, four and four in, the, in the conference, 11-9 and nine overall win-loss record. They have won two straight, but uh, it's not like they uh, are, are looking like they're going to shotgun up into the top four by any stretch of the imagination of the Mount West Conference. And then you take a look at the schedule coming up in February. They, and, and look, there's some winnable games, without question, right? When you look at the schedule, uh, I would happen to concur with you, Brian. I don't think that they're going to win that game against the Cowboys tomorrow night, that 5 o'clock tip at the Thomas and Mac. Then they get a week off, and then they go to New Mexico and will play in the pit in Albuquerque against 
against right now a top 20 team in the country in the Lobos. Uh, then they take on a, take on the Fresno State Bulldogs in Fresno, which should be a winnable game. But uh, the rest of the slate in the Mountain West is it's kind of like hit or miss. They're going to have to win some of these games they're not expected to win, i.e. a game against maybe their arch rival Nevada, right? They might have to win a game against the likes of a Colorado State. Uh, and then on and on and on. So it, it is not going to be uh, e- easy sledding for UNLV to get themselves in the best position going into the Mountain West Tournament. And, of course, uh, I talked about this yesterday on the show, Brian. Uh, you, if, 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 if it's any scenario whatsoever in which UNLV is floating around playing in a play-in game in the Mountain West Tournament, then it's just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I, I just don't, I don't understand year in and year out why we're talking about this team, which is, you know, which seems to have from a talent standpoint, right, and from a projection standpoint, to be a top four, five team in the Mountain West, constantly, you know, floating around the play-in game on Wednesday afternoon or, you know, having a lower seed in the Mountain West tournament. It doesn't make any sense to me. So uh, I guess circling back to the question you kind of answered it a little bit but i wanted a little bit get a little more uh juice around it when it comes to kevin krueger uh i i i am in the camp that you are where i think it's going to be very difficult for him to retain his job but uh as i point again as i pointed out in the show yesterday uh what are your thoughts as far as my sentiment that i thought that this was not the job he should have taken anyway i thought that uh this is not a gig that he should have had. He should have had, uh, uh, you know, a, a more uh, a middle, kind of a, uh, you know, a uh, smaller conference gig as his first job, and that should have been the route that he should have taken in his career. Now, we understand that his father's Lon Kruger. We get that. You know, one of the best coaches in, uh, in college history, a guy that's going to go down as a Hall of Famer. We get that. But uh, got to get your thoughts on far as far as Kevin Kruger. Uh, you know, it, it, was this the right job to take? as your first head coaching job in college basketball? Well, Chris, I'm, the only reason I disagree a little bit is because when you're offered a job as a head coach at any college, you, you, you'd be remiss not to take it. You've got to take the job. So I don't think it was his mistake in taking the job. I think it was a bonehead hire by Desiree Reed Francois, who could give a crap about UNLV. She used yeah. this place as a stepping stone when she got it from Cincinnati. We all knew she did. Marcus Arroyo was one of the most garbage hires I've ever seen in my life. And then to find out the guy's her ex-boyfriend, great. And, uh, I shouldn't have said that on the air, but I did. And uh, the other thing that I'll say is also, you know, Kevin Kruger took the job. It was, you know, he had played here. There's ties here. He lives here. His father, Lon, retires. You know, it, it, yes, I, I can't blame him for taking the job. You're given that job. You got to do something with it. It's what he's done with it. He's used the portal fairly well. And like you said, there is talent. These Boone brothers, Caleb and Kalen Boone, if you haven't want, gone out and watched them play, they are fun to watch play basketball. They play well together. And Caleb Boone has, has turned out to be a leader on this team. He's a vocal leader. He gets excited. He talks to the players. You see him even being vocal in the huddle. And my big knock on them last season was they didn't really have a floor general. Even though he 
he's not a point guard. He is a four, a four general. And I think that, uh, you know, that he's done a good job using the portal and getting players. It's meshing those players. It's getting them to play well. And I think sometimes in the press conferences, you know, when he uses the term great when you're talking about the Mountain West Conference and underrated, I disagree. I think the Mountain West Conference got the biggest shot in the arm, Chris, they could have ever gotten last year with San Diego State going all the way to the championship game against the juggernaut and the UConn Huskies. That was incredible. And now a lot of people are looking at the Mountain West Conference, but I don't think the Mountain West Conference got better from last year. As a matter of fact, like I said, I only see two teams, in my opinion, right now worthy of making it to the to, to the NCAA tournament, and that's leaving out New Mexico, because the two teams I'm talking about is San Diego State, who's not even ranked, and Utah State. I think those are both NCAA tournament-quality teams. But the New Mexico Lobos have a shot. The reason I, I take them out of the mix, Chris, they lost to UNLV by double digits, 83-73, back on January 9th. That's only less than a month ago. So, again, um, now they play, the, you know, they go to they have Wyoming tomorrow, and then, like they, you said, a week off, and then they've got to go to the pit. New Mexico's backed up to being ranked number 19 in the country, and I'll tell you what, to me, that is going to be the the thermometer of where this team is at right now because New Mexico is salty. They have to avenge that loss and prove that that was a fluke because UNLV is not a respected team in the Mountain West. So you can't take a loss by double digits to them no matter where the game's played. I don't care if it's played on the flipping moon. So yeah. that is going to be the, the benchmark of where UNLV is right now is that game. If they can find a way to beat Wyoming, get some confidence, take that week and really practice hard. But to beat New Mexico, it is going to take, and even to beat Wyoming, it is going to take an incredible defensive effort by UNLV. And at times, Chris, they have showed some really good defensive prowess. At other times, I've never seen people more wide open on the perimeter. It's like, there's, it's like they're on the other side of an ocean, and that has to change. Great insight from uh, our guy, Brian Feldman. He's the host of Out of Line over on Fox Sports Radio, 8 to 9 a.m. Uh, catch him every week. Uh, Brian, we really appreciate the time. Hey, get ready. We're ramping up. We're about to see a lot of stuff, Mr. Feldman, that we've never seen before, and it's called Super Bowl Week in Las Vegas, right? It is going to be a, a sight to see without question. Uh, yeah, our Detroit Lions are not there, but uh, hey, there's still going to be a football game. There's still going to be the festivities. There's still going to be a lot of, as I pointed out before, Bill Pito said some developing situations in Vegas with uh, what's about to take place uh, during Super Bowl week. We really appreciate the time, Brian. Thanks a lot. Have a great weekend, okay? Hey, exactly the same, Chris. And last thing I'll say yep. is, um, you know, uh, quoting Taylor Swift, um, you know, I got a blank space, baby. I'll write your name. Boom, baby. That's how you, that's how you polish it off. Polish off a Friday edition of uh, T.C. Martin Show. With a little Brian Feldman. Mr. Feldman, have a great weekend, sir, all right? You as well. Appreciate you, Chris. We'll talk soon. There it is. Brian Feldman, uh, as we get set, uh, it's going to be kind of crazy. A lot of stuff we've never seen before here in Vegas coming up this week. Uh, A lot of situations. A lot of uh, celebrities. Obviously, the NFL is going to embark on the city of Las Vegas. So you're going to have all kinds of former Hall of Famers, great players, and... uh, yeah, as B-Sal pointed out, right? You, you got the international fans coming to town. Mr. Chuck, international people all over the place. People that don't even go to a to an NFL game all season long, but it's the Super Bowl, baby. And they're going to be here in Vegas. Parting up. And, we, and what do we do better in Vegas than, than any other city in America? We throw parties. Oh, right? we, we party. There's, it's and time we, to we party. We have theme nights going on all over town. There's going to be all, every resort. Every club, 
every bar is going to be going off. It's going to be a spectacle to see as Kansas City gets set to take on those pesky, pesky San Francisco 49ers. Brock Purdy. Tribute there, to, of course, to... Uh, that's Apollo Creed. Of course, uh, Carl Weathers passing away at the age of 76. Rest in peace, sir. And uh, one of my favorite Rocky movies, by the way. Rocky IV. Rocky IV, right? He gets in the ring before he actually dies in the, in the movies. Which is kind of... That's, that's kind of... That's kind of rough, but whatever. Yeah, I don't, I don't think... Uh, and look, Dolph Lundgren's a nice guy in real life. Numchuck. He is. He's a nice guy. Folks, have a great weekend out there. The T.C. Martin Show coming away live every weekday, 2 to 4 p.m. right here in the airwaves of KSHP. And follow at the tcmartinshow.com. Great content, great past interviews. Head to the website to check all of that out. The Dr. T.C. Martin back on Monday. Back on Tuesday. My mistake. Uh, great uh, tribute show for all the Sacramento Sports Hall of Famers on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you again in a few days.